Welcome to Kids Considered, where two pediatricians discuss children's health topics of interest to parents in a podcast with new subjects considered every episode. I'm Dr. Lena Vanderlist. And I'm Dr. Dean Blumberg. And we're both pediatricians at UC Davis Children's Hospital in Sacramento, California. So as a pediatrician, there are a few skin conditions that you just see over and over and over in the office. Oh, I know. Like MRSA, right? We always see that and ringworm. And, you know, for a while, <laughs> it was like every kid we were evaluating was for, for MPOX, right? You know. <laughs> Of course, your mind goes straight to infections, but no, that was not exactly what I was thinking of. Well, then what what were you thinking of? Well, the most common skin condition I see daily in my general pediatrics practice is eczema. Yeah, that makes sense. Eczema is so common. And, you know, it's common in pediatrics, but it's also common in adults. Yeah. So today we're going to spend the podcast episode discussing eczema, also known to some as atopic dermatitis. Mm -hmm. And we will review what causes it, its characteristic features, the common triggers for eczema, and importantly, how to treat it and prevent new flares from occurring. So let's start at the beginning. Um, we said that eczema is also referred to as atopic dermatitis. Atopic means related to allergy, and dermatitis means inflammation of the skin. So in eczema, the natural barrier created by the skin is disrupted, and this allows the offending allergens to be more easily absorbed through that area. And then the immune cells of the skin become really hyperactive responding to those um, allergens, and this leads to the hallmark patches of dry, red, irritated, and itchy skin. On a few of our other episodes, you may remember us referring to something called the atopic triad. This is disorders of eczema, allergies, and asthma. And these things typically run together in families because they all have the underlying trigger of an overexcited immune system. Eczema is a result of the combination of a genetic predisposition for this, as well as environmental triggers and exposures. So how common is eczema? It's so, so common. Mm -hmm. It's estimated that it has a prevalence of 10 to 20 percent in the first decade of life. And onset occurs pretty early. So 60 percent of people will have their initial flare by just a year of age and 90 percent by the time they're five years. So that's why it's such a common pediatric thing that we yeah, treat. Yeah, it's really common. For some people, this is a lifelong disease, but a lot of children will outgrow their eczema in a similar way that they outgrow their asthma or they outgrow food allergies. About 3% of the adult population suffers from eczema. So let's talk about the typical presentation of eczema. All of a sudden, your kid has this dry looking rash and you're wondering what the heck is going on. There are certain hallmark features that make us suspicious that your child will have eczema. First of all, it's bugging your kid and they're like itchy. <laughs> <laughs> it's really itchy. Your kid's going to be constantly scratching themselves. The area of the eczema will appear dry, kind of scaly. And if it's actively inflamed, it may look red. However, it's important to note that redness is best appreciated on light skin tones. For skin of color, you may not see redness at all. You may instead see what's called dispigmentation, meaning that the skin looks a little lighter or darker than usual. And then if the eczema is more chronic, it may look like the skin is thickened or it may have a different pigment or color change. 
change. And we can include some links with photos to typical presentations on our website. The eczema flares also tend to occur in very predictable locations. These include the flexural surfaces of the skin, so that's like inside the elbow or behind the knee, ankle creases, although we can also definitely see it in in other areas, like in extensor areas, the other side of the limbs, especially in infants. So you can see it on the knees, on the elbows, and a common place to see it is on the face, such as the cheeks and on the neck. Yeah, you think about little infants like crawling around. Those are the common areas that are like touching the ground, right? More mm-hmm. of the extensor surfaces, like the front of the knee, because it's causing irritation. And then they're just like constantly putting everything on their face. And so their <laughs> cheeks can get really red and inflamed. Mm-hmm. There are also lots of different flavors of eczema. Um, and so there's there's different types. So there's dishydrotic eczema, which affects the hands or the feet. There's papular eczema, which may present as little red or hypo or hyperpigmented raised bumps. And then there's something called numular eczema, which is little circular patches that can appear all over the the torso, the extremities. Um, this one is a common mimic of, of ringworm. And so many families come to me saying, oh my gosh, my kid, where did they get this fungus? And I'm like, oh no, that's that's just eczema. But for today, we're going to focus our discussion on kind of routine childhood eczema. Yeah, and most of these types of eczema are treated the same way anyway. Uh-huh, exactly. Um, of course, there's many other dry skin conditions that are not eczema and need to be treated differently. So some of those might be seborrheic dermatitis. The most common you know, name for that is cradle cap or dry skin of the scalp. Psoriasis, some fungal skin infections like I mentioned, scabies, other infectious things, Mm -hmm. or even some nutritional deficiencies. So it is important to discuss and monitor these rashes closely with your child's doctor. So when a child comes in with an eczema flare, many parents want to know what's causing it. Why why is the kid having it now? What are the triggers? And we already discussed that there is a large genetic component. It runs in families, so that's really unavoidable. So that's thanks to mom and dad, right? But there are also common triggers that cause it too. And so while triggers are different for different people, the most common triggers for eczema are heat and sweat for some individuals, and for others, it's cold weather. Yeah, I definitely saw a lot of eczema flares this long, cold winter that we've been having. Mm-hmm. Other common triggers include dust mites and pet dander, wool and other synthetic fabrics like nylon or dyed fabrics can be culprits. Tobacco smoke, fragrance and shampoos or soaps or lotions or laundry detergents, some fabric softeners also. And that's why we recommend for all kids with eczema to use the fragrance-free, the hypoallergenic products. Right. And then saliva, um, especially when, like I mentioned, we think about the facial eczema in infants, all of that drool, constant drool um, and prolonged exposure can also be a trigger. What about food allergies? Parents must ask about foods as a trigger also. Yeah, this is a big question, Um, especially at least in my experience, I ask about possible dairy allergy or intolerance exacerbating or worsening their kid's eczema. In some cases, specific foods may cause a worsening of eczema. However, this occurs in really the, the minority of cases and usually will happen within a few hours of ingesting the food. While food allergy is also more common in kids that also have eczema, with up to 30% of kids with eczema also having a specific food allergy, 
foods um, are specific triggers for flares of eczema in only a very small percentage of children. What about cow's milk? I've heard parents um, attribute the eczema flares to cow's milk for some of their children. Yeah, so like we discussed in a previous episode, maybe our poop episode, <laughs> mm-hmm. some babies can have something called a milk protein allergy, and um, which is most commonly presents as blood in the stool. But at times, also in the minority of infants, it can present as very bad eczema. But before making any big changes to your infant's formula or cutting out dairy in your own diet, if you're breastfeeding, we definitely recommend consulting your child's physician to make sure it's necessary and how to do it properly without impacting their nutrition. Okay, so it sounds like doing big elimination diets aren't recommended and are a hassle anyway. Right. And they're really not supported by evidence. So they may actually make things worse over time. If you eliminate a food, which is maybe causing a little bit worsening of eczema, you have the risk of losing your tolerance to that food and then developing like a true anaphylactic severe allergy, which is not worth it. So focus on the known triggers. So I I think about one patient that was kind of a success story in my own practice that like had eczema and then we figured out like his cat was always sleeping in his bed every night with him and we said let's try getting your cat out of the room and making a no cat in your room policy and his eczema actually significantly improved oh that poor cat oh my gosh we know you hate cats (laughs) i don't i don't know that i hate them but my wife is allergic so i do avoid them at all costs and i and they are like infectious they are kind of a what carriers of many infections well as cat scratch disease toxoplasmosis i could go on and on but <laughs> i am more of a dog person <laughs> yes you are i am a both we know i have cats and dogs mm-hmm. but i'm kind of getting sick of the cats <laughs> <laughs> so i think it's also important to talk about bath time okay so this is a really fun time for kids it's a social time most look forward to it as part of their bedtime routine Yeah, throw in some toys and maybe some bubble bath and let your kid entertain themselves. Um, Of course, always with a responsible adult within arm's reach if they're in any body of water. But in our house, like I get a solid 30 minutes of fun out of bath time every night. That's great. But for kids with eczema, bath time may contribute to drying out the skin and worsening their eczema. Yeah, so tips for bathing your kiddo with eczema. You really want to keep baths and showers short, ideally less than 15 minutes. You do not need to bathe them every day, maybe like three to four days a week, and always use lukewarm water when you want to avoid the really warm or really cold water, which can make things worse. Don't use bubble bath. I know this is a bummer for kids, um, but it can be really irritating to the skin, and you really want to limit the use of soaps. And when you do use them, focus on those certain areas that need to be washed, right? Like the face, the groin, the feet. Um, And you always use fragrance tree, like we mentioned. Okay, so let's move on to treatment. And it's probably what most of our listeners really want to hear about is how to treat eczema if their kid has it. There are many different treatments for eczema, and it really depends on the location, the severity, and the age of the child. But before we get to the prescription options, let's talk about moisturizing, because in addition to avoiding triggers, moisturizing the skin is the single most important thing you can do to treat and prevent eczema flares. Absolutely. So you use a fragrance-free hypoallergenic moisturizer all over the body at least twice a day. This keeps the skin moisturized and can restore that barrier function. 
You want to find a cream or ointment that your child likes. So this is the most important part because it does not work when it's in the bottle. (laughs) (laughs) Ointments, like the greasy, sticky ones, often help seal in moisture better than creams. And then creams do a better job than lotions. To be honest, I don't even think I like fully realized the difference between all of these things before I started (laughs) working in eczema. Aquaphor is my favorite. Vaseline also works great. And so especially after bath time, you know, you want to grease this baby up so they could just slip right off your changing table. The dermatologists are always recommending Aquaphor. That's something I've heard from them time and again. And another tip is that if you put moisturizer on the skin after bathing while the skin is still damp, it's twice as effective. And for some kids with mild eczema, especially for young babies with sensitive and thin skin, moisturizing alone is enough for some, and a prescription cream may be the next step. For other kids, they might need an additional treatment. So corticosteroid creams and ointments are very effective at treating eczema. You may recognize these medicines as like with the own ending, so hydrocortisone, betamethasone, triamcinolone. And the strength um, depends on the name and the active ingredient. The numbers that are associated are not an indicator of how strong the medication is, of course, because medicine and, and, you know, pharmaceuticals have to make things very confusing. So triamcinolone 0.1% is considered a mid-strength corticosteroid. It's much stronger than hydrocortisone 1%, even though the number following it is lower. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. Yeah, but if like if it's a higher concentration of triamcinolone, then it is stronger, right? Yes. But it's hard to compare in between. Just like antibiotics and other things, they have different doses because they have different pharmacokinetics. So, yeah, so it's it's just different. Just the most important thing, of course, is following the instructions given by your physician. But hydrocortisone 1% is the only one that is available without a prescription over the counter. So to use these topical steroids, um, apply the medication. It's usually twice a day, and you usually apply it to the irritated parts of the skin. So that might be indicated by red, depending on the skin color or tone, or the rough areas or the hyperpigmented areas on the skin. And you put the medication on your fingers and then gently rub it into the areas. If you're using it at the same time as your child's moisturizer, you should apply the prescription cream first and then the moisturizer. Usually the medicine will help improve an area within a few days. It usually acts pretty rapidly. And try to put the medicine on for two days after you've noticed that the redness or the irritation in the area is no longer present. Um, This will help the irritation from returning. These topical medicines can be used typically for up to two weeks, but then the skin needs a break from them because these are not medications that should be used daily for long periods of time. There can be certain side effects. Right. And some of those side effects of topical steroids, if overused, are skin thinning and atrophy. So if you notice thin, shiny appearing um, skin or little broken blood vessels in the skin, you want to stop using it and consult your child's doctor. The face and the armpits and the groin have particularly thin skin just at baseline, and so they are more at risk for these complications. And only use a steroid in these areas if your doctor advises you. Overall, topical steroids are really safe and effective if used in the manner prescribed by your physician, so you don't need to worry too much if you're using them properly. 
So in situations where we need to treat eczema in one of these more sensitive areas for more than two weeks, then sometimes we use a medicine called a topical calcineuron inhibitors, TCIs, or an immunomodulator may be used. These include the brand names that people may have heard of, Protopic Ointment and Elodil Cream, and they're only available by prescription. One advantage of these medications is that they do not have the side effects of thinning the skin. In really severe eczema, strong oral or injection medications may be used to kind of help dampen the immune response. These require close monitoring and follow-up and will usually be done under the guidance of a dermatologist or an allergist, um, but are out of the scope of our discussion today. If your child isn't getting much sleep due to itching from the eczema, then you can give something like diphenhydramine, also known as the brand name Benadryl. This can help for, for, for sleep for a brief period. Um, it also helps decrease itching, and the topicals also help get the inflammation down, which is really, that's, that's the, the cause of the itching. Exactly, and make sure you always confirm the dose with your pediatrician. Controlling the scratching is really important um, in mm -hmm. kids with eczema because they are at risk for getting superimposed bacterial infections on top of their eczema. Um, so we really want to keep their nails short and clean. And if you see any signs of infection, like redness, pain, drainage, or kind of that honey-crusted overlying skin, definitely discuss it with their doctor. Yeah, this may, may be an indication that they need additional antibiotic ointments or even an oral antibiotic. Or your doctor may recommend something called a dilute bleach bath to help decolonize the skin of bacteria. This is one of the things that parents are always like, uh, you want me to do what? Mm -hmm. And, and what's kind of crazy when I first learned about it as well, um, we'll post some information on dilute bleach baths on our website. With all treatments, this should only be done under the recommendation of your pediatrician. For a typical dilute bleach bath, you would add a quarter cup of regular strength bleach to a half full tub of water or one teaspoon of bleach per gallon of water for a baby or toddler bathtub. They would soak for five minutes and rinse off with plain water. You want to make sure they don't swallow the water. This would be definitely a challenge in our home. Mm -hmm. And it can typically be done a few times a week to help decolonize the skin from bacteria. We often recommend this for kids who have recurrent staph infections. And it's basically, you know, it sounds scary, a bleach bath. But it's, it's kind of like chlorinated water for a swimming pool. So even if it splashes in their eyes, it's not going to cause a, a problem. It's safe to do. And it's not going to bleach their skin. No, no. Which is something that I was like, ooh, that sounds scary. But it's so dilute that it's not going to do this. So eczema is a treatable disease, but it can also be really frustrating for kids and families who have to deal with it. Yeah, I mean, it causes a significant amount of discomfort. It requires lots of care and attention from the parents with all this moisturizing and the prescription cream application. Just trying to, like, wrangle a toddler to put on lotion is awful. Like, I, luckily, I don't have to do it very often, but I, I cannot imagine trying to do it two to three times a day. <laughs> And another factor is as kids get older, they can experience self-consciousness due to the appearance of their skin, the rash that can get there, and this, they can get teased by other children. Yeah, and so please know that with close partnership with your child's healthcare provider, potentially a dermatologist or an allergist when needed, can make living with eczema much easier for most kids and families. So definitely do not hesitate to reach out. 
Let's summarize today's main topics, main issues on eczema. So eczema is extremely common. It leads to dry, itchy patches of skin that may look red, may appear lighter or darker depending on the skin tone. When treating eczema, it's first important to identify all possible triggers. And avoid those triggers. And most kids will do best with all fragrance-free hypoallergenic soaps and detergents. Treatment consists of restoring hydration with frequent moisturizing. And applying topical steroids or other medications when needed. If your child's eczema is not responding to typical treatments or if it looks infected, it's important to consult your doctor or dermatologist to help get things on the right track. We hope today's discussion was helpful in providing some tips surrounding this common skin condition. We would like to thank Dr. Spitta Awasthi, a pediatric dermatologist here at UC Davis Children's Hospital, for reviewing today's episode, although Dr. Dean and I take full responsibility for any errors or misinformation. And that reminds me of an eczema joke. Okay, let's hear it. So what's the best way to raise money for an eczema charity? Not sure. Sell scratch cards. <laughs> uh, not the best job. Not the best one, but I'm surprised you found one at all. <laughs> so we'll take it. <laughs> that wraps up this episode of Kids Considered. You can find more information on our website, kidsconsidered.ucdavis.edu. Follow us on Twitter at Kids Considered. And Instagram at Kids Considered. If you have feedback on this show or topics you would like us to discuss in the future, we would love to hear from you. Please call us. Our number is 916-915-3388. Or email us at kidsconsidered at gmail.com. Please rate us on iTunes or wherever you subscribe to your podcasts. Thank you for listening, and we hope you will join us for our next podcast. Kids Considered is sponsored by UC Davis Children's Hospital. 